Welcome to the podcast, A Colored Girl Speaks, meditations on race and other magical things, a collection of personal essays on race, culture, and politics through the prism of identity, memory, and history, an intimate and often painful commentary on race in America and the way forward. Essays are by Andrea Hunter and are narrated by Tierra Moore. So, at last, this colored girl speaks. Episode 8. Me, MLK, and the quietness of death. My child lives in a world as unknown to me as the world in which I came of age was a place of dreams for my parents and those before. Still, he must grapple with race and what we are left to remember, as we all do, knowing or not. When in preschool, my son came home and asked, what happened to Martin Luther King? In that moment, I was flooded with the memory of King, me, my mother, and death. Catching my breath, I repeated, what happened? Having celebrated Martin Luther King Day at school, he wanted to know about King's death. The teachers won't say, he answered. Choosing our words carefully, my husband and I explained that Dr. King had been assassinated, which meant that someone killed him. Our child's forehead furrowed. King wanted everyone in America, no matter who they were, to be treated equally. Not everyone believed this should be so, we said. He was silent for a moment, then responded with the contemplative, oh. For the next few days, he would ask a question or two, trying to understand why someone would do a bad thing to someone who wanted to help people and do good things. The assassination of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., more aptly, the contemplation of his death, is a part of me in the ways things are when children learn the most horrid things exist, not in fairy tales, but in the world of the living. But I said none of this. Nor did I describe the cool spring day when my mother and I stood at the graveside of Dr. King, where he was first laid to rest at the Southview Cemetery in Atlanta, just a little more than a week after his assassination in Memphis on April 4th, 1968. Flowers covered the entire length of the cemetery's hillside, spilling from its crest, threatening to engulf the road below. More flowers than I had ever seen in one place, then or since. Beautiful still. Their scent enveloped us. It was quiet, curiously so. It was just me, my mother, and Martin Luther King. I do not know what all I thought in that moment, but it felt sacred, as in prayer. 
There we were, just us, so close to him and death. Having grown up with old folks and their talk of spirits, I wondered if King would somehow speak to me. There was a gentle breeze, but I heard nothing and felt only quiet and stillness. Even the heaviness of sadness I had seen on television just days before seemed to have left this place, leaving nothing of itself behind. Free at last. Thank God Almighty, I'm free at last. My mother read aloud the words on his crypt, and I silently followed. I was just seven and a half years old, but these words, a refrain from an old spiritual, were as familiar to me as a Sunday morning sermon. I had heard the Baptist rhythms of I have a dream many times before on our family's hi-fi. As we stood there, my heart no longer raced, and I too was at peace. I never told my son I was there, that the assassination was not history for me, that I stood at King's graveside with my mother, or that my mother, his grandmother, waited in line for hours in her Sunday's best to pay respects as King laid in state in Sister's Chapel at Spelman College. And I, just a few years older than he, witnessed the convulsive grief of a people and saw the riots on TV with black faces wet with grief, anger, and sweat. Or that baby, my grandmother, grieved for King as she lay in the hospital days before her own death. He does not know that I thought about this almost every day as a college freshman because the chapel where King laid in state was positioned right across from my dorm room window in Chadwick Hall. I do not know why I could not say more and still have not. I carried these memories with me for a lifetime, never speaking of them, yet they too made me. King's assassination steeled my spirit to not let nobody turn me round. And through him, I began to understand that a righteous dream can survive even if we do not. When my son was in middle school, I asked him what he learned from the life and assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. And after a pause, he said, that you have to fight for what is right. I pray that he does become the dedicated fighter King spoke of. For this promise, I give over my memory to him, my son, of me, my mother, and Dr. King in the quietness of death, with the hope that King's death, as much as his life, will fortify my son's spirit as they did mine. My son is a young man now, a college sophomore, and it is time he knows all I left unsaid about the days 
when I was colored and what came after. to the end of this episode of A Colored Girl Speaks, Meditations on Race and Other Magical Things. Your time, the listen, and your engagement are most appreciated. To connect with the essayists and a broader community of listeners, please visit the website andreahunter.com or connect with us on Twitter, A Colored Girl Speaks, at I am Andrea Hunter. And subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Spotify. Until we gather again, share your stories and meditations and ask for those stories not yet given. <laughs>